welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning, my friends. If we haven't met, my name's Micah, lead pastor here at Awaken. So glad that you're here. Um, woman, a woman named Terry Tempest Williams says this in an interview. She says, you know, as a naturalist, uh, she's a naturalist and professor at Utah, um, as a naturalist, my favorite places to be are along the ecotone. It's where it's, it's where it's most alive. And that usually is the edge of the forest and the meadow. It's the edge of the ocean and the sand where the rock line occurs. It's the interface between peace and chaos. It's that creative edge that I think we find most instructive and it's almost always the most frightening. So an ecotone is this geographical and biological idea where two ideas or two things come together and the space between them that's left between the ocean and the sand or the mountain and the meadow, the forest and uh, uh, whatever the forest is up against, that, (laughs) usually it's a meadow but I already used that, Um, at either rate, um, it's this space between two things where um, biologists have found that like life is teeming there. It's just alive. Um, but it's also a very chaotic place to be at times. Um, this past week, as I was thinking about like our country and the, the midterm elections and all the things, you know, watching all the news and whatnot, I, a, con- a suspicion that I've had has, was a bit confirmed, which is that this place, the middle ground, um, maybe we could call it the ecotone in our country, is sort of drastically shrinking Um, by sort of the polarizing of the opposite. So whether it's immigration or gun control or whatever the issue might be, it seems that this space in the middle where there's civic discourse and civil discourse, where we learn how to communicate and be human together, seems to be shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. Um, That saddens me, um, which is why I'm so grateful for this church, in part when we started Awaken, that was part of the hope. Um, one of the first bumper stickers we ever printed because we thought it would be a good idea to print bumper stickers for starting a church. Um, it said, permission to question. Maybe you could say permission to occupy the ecotone. Permission to live in this space, in this tension between left and right, blue and red, whatever other polarizing ideas might be. Permission to be there intentionally and to, have, to learn how to speak to one another and to live together. Um, So that's part of the reason we started this church, but it's part of the reason why we're doing this series. So if you're new to Awaken, last week we just started a series, it's called To Walk a Mile, and the invitation really is to walk a mile in someone else's shoes, to stand in that space between, um, and and the invitation is really with a kind of, a particular kind of posture, which is one of openness, and of grace, and of dignity, and respect, um, of kindness, Somebody sent me a a poem after last week, Uh, a woman, the poet is Morgan Harper Nichols, and uh, the poem is entitled Empathy, and she writes this, let me hold the door for you, I may have never walked in your shoes, but I can see your souls are worn, your strength is torn under the weight of a story I have never lived before, so let me hold the door for you, after all you have walked through, it's the least I can do. Um, specifically this morning, we're going to hear from a man who identifies as a Christian and a gay man. Um, and whether you hold a more conservative or a more progressive posture on this topic, um, this is not an invitation to debate the morality of a subject this morning. It's not even about what does the Bible say this morning. We've done that before, um, but that's not what today is about. This is really an invitation to walk a mile in someone else's shoes for the sake of solidarity, for the sake of hearing someone else's story. 
uh, because stories shape the world. Stories change the world. And so the, the hope is that as we hear and listen to one another's stories, we begin to develop and strengthen the muscles of compassion and empathy, um, really to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. So you may hear something this morning you disagree with. You may have heard something last week you disagreed with. You may hear something in the next two weeks you disagree with, and that is okay. I'm not nervous about that. I want to set you free from being nervous about that, right? At Awaken, this, the Sunday morning experience, the pulpit, as it were, is often the last word in the conversation, right? Thus saith the Lord, or thus saith whatever religious figure. We just flip that on its head and say, this is the first word. This is the beginning of the conversation. It's not intended to be the end of the conversation. So you may have questions when you leave. Good, that's my intent, that's what I'm hoping for, which is why community and walking together in relationship with people you know and trust becomes all the more important, all right? Um, I think it would be a terrible idea for you just to place all of your trust in me and what I say. (laughs) That's not a good idea at any point, specifically in this one with me involved, all right? So I hope you leave with questions and wonderings. Um, And so this, this morning is an invitation for you to hold a space. Uh, with a particular kind of posture, um, one with kindness and openness and respect, um, and maybe to walk a mile in someone's shoes, hopefully to learn something about someone else, and maybe even yourself. Um, So with that, would you please welcome my friend John Ostaszewski. I was asking John uh, how to pronounce his name this week, and I always, I always said Ostaszewski in my, in my own head, but I, I learned a neat little trick. It's like Ostaszewski, like Pastaszewski. <laughs> there you go, in case, you're, case you need a little mnemonic oh, device. Which is my favorite food group as well. Well, there so we go. See, there we are. So, John, welcome. Thank Thanks you. For, thanks for being here. Yeah, it's Duluth. a pleasure. Tell us about Duluth. I'm, uh, yeah, this is a uh, Duluth pack shirt. I'm from Duluth originally. Uh, Love, love it, love especially whoever just gave it a, a shout out back there. Uh, truth be told, we would, in Duluth, we would call people from the cities, cityots. Ooh. And, uh, and I've, now, okay. <laughs> I've now lived here for, uh, I guess, six-ish years mm. since graduating from St. John's University up in Collegeville, uh, St. John's, St. Ben's, so I guess that makes me... Would you one, identify one of us? <laughs> well, okay, okay. We're, we're, I was going to say you, you may you may have just um, made the entire audience. Uh, uh, in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, well, I'm not an idiot, I don't think. And um, no, no, I'm just kidding. No, no, I just okay. feel like I'm one of you, but very proud to be from Duluth and love. It's, one of the great American cities. It is. It is with a yeah. storied tradition. Okay, <laughs> enough about Duluth. Um, Tell us about you, like, uh, what do you do during the day? How did you come to Awaken? Let's just start there. Yeah, uh, so I, by, by day, my profession is I'm an accountant. Uh, by day and, and oftentimes by night as well, especially in the, in the busier times mm-hmm. of the year. Uh, how I ended up here specifically uh, is, you know, St. John's Catholic, uh, Benedictine, uh, at while attending St. John's, I began attending, you know, non-denomination services in the St. Cloud area, and then upon graduating, explored that scene here in the in the Twin Cities. Uh, found myself attending Grace Church in, in Eden Prairie, uh, the Upper Room, uh, and then eventually receiving an invitation to to check out Awaken uh, from a very close college friend of mine, and, and came and have been here for. 
a little over two years. Uh, my boyfriend Bobby and I, uh, we teach second and third graders here, uh, co-teach, which is a, is a blast. Uh, neither of us are very good disciplinarians. <laughs> That's a great combo with second and third graders. Yeah, yeah, yeah really great. They walk all, <laughs> all over us. Uh, both of my parents are elementary school teachers, uh, but, uh, and, and Bobby's mom and brother is a, is a teacher, but none of those skills really came to us from that, uh, you know. So it's always a party in your class. It is, it That's is. Good. Well, uh, you know, I, I heard somebody once say, it, um, it's a sin to bore kids with the gospel. Yeah, it, it, so, it is. Uh, at least you're not doing that. It was also... <laughs> right? It was also challenging. We had to talk uh, a few weeks ago about uh, a teach about Adam and Eve and eating the apple, and the whole oh, yeah. lesson was written from Eve's perspective, oh, interesting. which was very challenging for, for, for two men to, <laughs> to, to, to tackle that one. Uh, I mean, I think Eve may have been thinking this, but I guess I just don't know. Yeah. Which I suppose any of us could say, really, right? Yeah. Men or women. Okay. Um, so tell us a little bit about your spiritual background. What, um, what kinds of things shaped uh, your spiritual experience growing up? Yeah. So I, I grew up Catholic. Uh, I have a, a twin sister, my only sibling. Uh, and, and she and I, we went through First Communion. Uh, we're baptized Catholic. Uh, started attending confirmation courses. Uh, ultimately sort of fell away through uh, when, when transubstantiation was taught poorly to us, uh, we just stopped going. And uh, I think my parents respected the fact that we were young adults and, and that that had to be chosen. And they, they didn't force us to, to continue. And, and we really, neither of us did. And, and uh, I'd say I fell away from faith for a little bit there. Went to St. John's not at all for the faith aspect, but for the trees and the lakes and, and the, the physical geographic space and how beautiful it was. Uh, but it just came to be that I, I fell in with some friends who faith was important to them. Uh, and, and I t- attended a men seeking God retreat. And I told my dad I, I acquired friends and God for $20 was the... Uh, <laughs> Best investment yeah. I made all four years. And uh, <laughs> as a sophomore in college, I found myself leading a freshman Bible study called Booyah. Uh, and I wasn't feeling fully prepared to teach, but I just, was the boo, did that have was that an acronym for something? The, or that one was was it Booyah? I don't know, just Booyah, you know. Uh, <laughs> that one was not an acronym, but. I also attended a, a men's Bible study called Mob, ben, Men of Benedict, uh, and, and found myself you know, in, in these activities, and uh, yet there was a, there was a hollowness and, and maybe a, a lack of authenticity, and, and I felt like m- my faith could only grow so far uh, with, without addressing you know, my sexual identity. And, and for me, and it's not this way for everyone, but sort of the path of faith and navigating sexuality were occurring at the same time. And, and there's very much a, a pre and post sort of marker mm-hmm. where things in both aspects became more authentic and more genuine. Uh, and, and I felt like 
I needed to, uh, you know, be out and that I could be uh, and that ultimately that would enrich the relationships I had yeah. from a, a friendship perspective. The, the stories that I've heard of um, gay and lesbian men and women, because uh, those are really the only stories I've been privileged enough to hear, it seems like there's this integration piece of often with faith and sexuality, if you want to keep going forward as an integrated person, there's a, there's a journey that, that, that happens there because of our experiences. So can you share a little bit about like your own coming to terms with, I, I'm, I'm a gay man. Um, share yeah. about that process, that journey. Yeah, so I, I would say that I probably knew that, that I was gay coming out of puberty. So let's say seventh, eighth grade, that really awkward phase of life. Uh, and prior to that was just a lot of confusion, but I think with certainty internally I knew. Uh, it wasn't until I was 21 uh, that sort of I wrote in my journal for the first time and there was something existing in the world that I acknowledged, like I am gay, even though I knew it here, like I, I wrote that down and, and, and really that was because uh, of the book Wild at Heart by John Eldridge, uh, which I, I think, I wouldn't recommend someone read it specifically for, for the purpose of, of navigating uh, you know, their, their human sexuality, uh, but it, it had a message that I needed to hear at the time and, and that, uh, you know, you've said, Micah, we need to lean in to maybe some of those less comfortable uh, aspects of our lives and that when we lean in and we discern uh, good things come from that process and, and it was in, in trying to figure that out that, uh, that I found my, uh, myself mm -hmm. uh, eventually just not able to do <laughs> homework. I, I couldn't concentrate until like I needed to tell someone and, and I, the first person I told was a priest uh, up at St. John's who I, I was close with and uh, about five or six months later, later uh, was when I, I came out to my immediate family. I didn't ask you about this first hour, but tell me about, so you chose a, a priest at St. John's to say, what was that like? It was, uh, I was a resident assistant as a sophomore, so I was living in the freshman dorms, and uh, at St. John's, the faculty resident uh, oftentimes was, uh, was a monk, which was very cool. I mean, great, uh, this particular monk uh, makes great popcorn. I mean, a ton of butter. As and, they do. And his door was always open, uh, physically, um, literally and figuratively, and especially when there was popcorn. And uh, you could come in and, and talk about whatever you needed to talk about. And you know, through this year of being an, an RA, you know, we, we grew close and I just, I just sensed that he would receive it well and, and, and give me the spiritual guidance as well that I was seeking without, you know, maybe pushing me in, in one or, or another direction. And, um, I want to ask you more about Catholic worship experiences and your, your experience in that. We'll come back to that first. Um, your family, like, what was it like 
telling your parents or your sister yeah. or those closest to you? So uh, my, for, for background, my twin sister got married when we were 20 years old, which is, which is very young. Uh, and, and that happened uh, over Christmas break uh, uh, of our junior year of college. And it included uh, my sister, brother-in-law, parents, uh, Luke's parents and myself going to the courthouse uh, having a judge marry them and then go bowling afterwards. <laughs> uh, Again, like you do. Like you do. Uh, and it was the following summer where they had, a, you know, maybe a more traditional white wedding dress wedding uh, where there were guests and, uh, and, a, and a priest married them. And uh, it was through that sort of weekend wedding where there were just a lot of emotions. You know, I was, I was my, my sister's man of honor, actually. <laughs> uh, and it was just emotional because I saw the love that, that they shared uh, and the love that I didn't feel was maybe accessible to me. And, and there were comments like, you know, you're up next, John, uh, and I'm not dating anyone. <laughs> uh, but, but having to sort of realizing that I couldn't lie to everyone forever, uh, or that I could, but it would be really, in, I'd have a, a shallowness and lack of depth in relationships. Uh, that was the trigger that caused me uh, to want to talk to my family. So, uh, over that summer, I, I drove up to the, the family cabin in Wisconsin, uh, having teachers as parents. They spend a lot of time there. And it just so happened my sister and brother-in-law were there, and I, I came out to them on a Saturday night. They reacted positively. Uh, I knew my sister would, uh, just based on who she is as a, as a, as a human being. Uh, and my brother-in-law I wasn't concerned about because his best man... Uh, was was gay at, at their wedding, so it was just I, I knew that I felt mm -hmm. safe with them. Uh, my parents were the next morning, uh, and they were talking to me about this sermon at their church about David and Goliath, and how you know each of us has a Goliath of some sort in our lives, uh, and that was an incredibly natural lead-in to well, let me tell you about about uh, my Goliath. And there were, uh, you know, there were, there were some tears. Uh, there was a lot of, of love in the, in the conversation. The tears were driven by, I think, a realization that, that they knew that I knew I was gay for seven, eight years mm -hmm. and had to carry that burden by myself. Uh, and, and just a sadness for that. Uh, I don't remember their exact words when I told them, uh, but just the, the overall, I mean, atmosphere, it was, it was a very loving, loving one. Uh, and then I, I drove home the two and a half hours back to the cities and I felt liberated and free mm -hmm. and uh, at that time, I don't think I respected enough or understood that that was the beginning of their journey as parents, uh, whereas I was in the middle, maybe, of, of, of my journey. Mm -hmm. uh, and, 
And there was, you know, some, some tension there because from my perspective, I, I've always been gay and I just told you, my, the day to day, nothing has changed, uh, but that they had to go through this, this process and I needed to be supportive uh, of that. Yeah, you mentioned um, this David and Goliath idea and I think f- my experience has been as I've listened to stories for many people who grew up in the church or who are part of faith, their sexual identity, if it's anything other than heteronormative, is often seen as a Goliath, the enemy of this foe or insurmountable thing out in front of me, um, which I think I'm imagining could be a very damaging experience. Is there, do you feel like you've been able to come around that to a place where you see that no longer as this enemy of myself, but rather like a friend of myself? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, in, in preparing for this week, I actually was looking back at papers and I, I found one I wrote in Men's Studies titled, David versus Goliath, The Bible's Effect on Hegemonic Masculinity. <laughs> and, it's, a uh, it's a great title. And in this, in this uh, essay, I reach some conclusions that I don't feel I would probably reach now or, or agree with now. Uh, and I love that in the margin, my professor, uh, who was, it was actually taught by a theology professor, uh, said, I hope I've muddied that crystal clearness for you in, in me reaching that conclusion. I'm, I hope I'd muddied that. Uh, and that was really, really helpful. Uh, there was another article I've read uh, by John Pavlovitz, I think if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, and he said, uh, for their entire lives, referring to gay Christians, they've often had to overcome Christians just to try to get to Jesus. And, uh, and I am very fortunate to you know, have, have overcome uh, maybe myself, first and foremost, but also misconceptions I had about Christians. I, I think many of the Christians I've interacted with overwhelmingly uh, would be supportive of me pursuing my faith uh, and a relationship. Uh, but it was maybe the perception that I had of, yeah. of Christians that... Yeah, speaking to that, like there... Um you know, this, this topic, as you know, you're no, you're no stranger to it, the Bible and what does it say about sexuality and the most faithful or, or um, life-giving way to live that out and how you interpret that. So I know of gay Christians who have decided to pursue celibacy because of how they read the Bible. You have chosen a different path. Mm-hmm. Can you share, like, what, what's informed your, your decision to pursue a relationship based on, you know, the reading of the text and, and how have you come to that place? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, it was, uh, I think for a period of my life, there was, uh, I felt it was more of a binary. I need to either pursue faith mm-hmm. or I need to pursue like my, my God-given sexuality, but I can't have both. And I was so misinformed. Uh, and and fortunately, I, I feel like I no longer need to. Uh, for, for individuals who maybe feel they, they do need to pick, uh, and based on how they read the Bible, uh, want to live, live a life of celibacy, I would applaud and encourage that. Uh, for me, it would be very challenging. Uh, how I personally got to a point of, of embracing both 
is through reading a lot of books, articles, talking with you know professors, the one who muddied uh, the water, the one who muddied the waters for me, uh, priests, friends, uh, family, and ultimately, I think you know we we have hearts so that we can can listen, <laughs> and I love that Benedictines say you know listen with the ear of your heart, mm. uh, and I really feel that if Jesus were to walk through the doors, uh, that, that he wouldn't, wouldn't say that I've been misguided in listening to my heart on that. Uh, but there is a, you know, some level of, of sure. unknowing. Sure. Um, so you grew up Catholic. Uh, I didn't, so I'm always fascinated um, by other people's experience in faith communities. There's a woman named Lauren Winner who grew up Jewish, later converted to Christianity, and, and then wrote a book uh, called The Mudhouse Sabbath about all the things she misses about Judaism and Jewish communities of faith. Um, are, there, are there things that you miss about being a part of a Catholic community? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Micah. And uh, I, I wrote down a little list. And the, and the first one, uh, or, or one of the first, was uh, the, the physical building of Catholic churches. I think we're very fortunate to be in one right now uh, because uh, so many churches and the Catholic churches reflect God through architecture and, and, and see the beauty in that uh, and, and just admiring the stained glass windows. You know, how can we, how can we compare that beauty to uh, the beauty of, of creation? Because his beings created those windows uh, that I feel maybe is lost. Uh, if you go to a, a warehouse church where yeah. physically they trans, uh, they converted a Walmart into a church, you're probably not going to get that. So the physical building was one, uh, but also on a more serious note, the weekly communion mm. and and how personal. Uh, and, and holy that that feels, and to be able to do that weekly is something that I loved about uh, attending Catholic masses. And I still do love to attend Catholic friends' weddings, mm. uh, where there is that ceremony and, and formality, and liturgy. there is liturgy. Yeah, uh, and I, I no longer will receive communion there uh, out of respect to, for, the, for the Catholic Church. But I always will go up uh, and you know, place my arms over my chest to receive the priest's blessing. Uh, Which is like universal code word for, I'll take the blessing, not the wafer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if, if you find yourself in that position, you, you know, uh, rather than sit in the pew, please do that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but these windows back here, so there are seven... Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Communion. Sacraments of the Catholic Church. And there are six windows here and then the one in the back is to be seen as one. So these windows are the seven sacraments of the Catholic hmm. Church and the one in the middle is the Eucharist. So when we take the screen down the next Sacred Sunday and you look at that, that's what you're looking at, which is the center of the Catholic worship experience in some ways, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Um, Pope Francis. Yeah, I, I really like him. Uh, he... <laughs> He has been setting a very inclusive tone, not just with regard to you know the GLBT community, but 
really anyone on the fringes uh, who would be considered maybe an other. Uh, and I feel like tone is what's most important most of the time. If, if you're, if you're going to get one thing right uh, and you can only choose to be right on tone or message, choose to be right on tone. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, ideally both, but uh, uh, I, I love that he's trying to be as inclusive in, in a way that maybe his predecessors weren't perceived as, as being. Uh, I do think that there are some some limitations to what he can do, and he can't change uh, just in, in his papacy the, the way that uh, GLBT plus people are are seen by the Catholic Church, at least in its entirety, where they separate the person from the orientation from the act. And and to bifurcate someone's, you said, personhood like, mm -hmm. like that, uh, is challenging, uh, but, but I feel his tone is, is a step in the right direction. Um, one of the, th I, I, I love reading scripture with people who are different than me, so whether that be a person of color or uh, a woman or a child. Ah. <laughs> um, because I feel like I hear and see and read the story differently through their perspective or their lens. Um, would you, and maybe the answer is you don't feel like it does, but is there any way in which your um, identi identity as a gay man changes the way you read scripture that, may, you know, you see something that I would miss as a straight man? Yeah, I, I would say that when I read scripture in the Bible, uh, I see in Jesus the most positive reactions from individuals in response to, to them learning that I was gay. In particular, uh, my, my grandma. Uh, my parents gave me the unbelievable gift uh, of each telling their respective side of the family uh, that, that I was gay, and, and they asked to do that, and I was happy that, that they could come out for me to each side of the family, rather than me having to sit there and make an announcement at Thanksgiving. Uh, <laughs> And, and that was a true gift. Uh, and after that, I would receive, you know, Facebook messages of support uh, from, uh, from family members. But one of the responses that is most near and dear to my heart came from my grandma, and it was a handwritten letter. And it's, it is unusual because I have every thank you card starting in about third, fourth grade to now that I've received from anybody, all in a box. But that one letter, I lost. And uh, it, it literally just existed in my life for that period of time that, that I needed it. Uh, but I still remember, remember what it said. And um, it said something to the effect of, you know, when, when you and your twin sister were born, I held both of you to my chest and you sort of went into my heart and you, you, never, you never left. Uh, and I think just that tone of unconditional love that my grandma you know, expressed in that letter, that the Bible takes on that tone as an entire backdrop for me. In the person of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
So we, we talk a lot at Awaken uh, about these ideas of wells and fences. And if you've been around long enough, you, you know what I'm speaking of. If you don't, there's podcasts in the, in the archives on this stuff. But um, Which is to say, we're, we've taken a little bit of a different approach on this conversation around human sexuality um, and said this is, this is important but not essential, which means that there are people in the room who, who read the Bible and come to different conclusions on that. And like, that's okay. Um, that's a hard space to occupy, um, because it's so important, but um, I'm curious if, um, maybe to ask the question, is there anything you would say to someone who comes to a different conclusion than you do uh, when they read the scripture? Um, what would you say? Yeah, I would, I would first of all, I would, I would say I, I love you. Uh, I would ask a question coming from a very sincere heart of, are you reading the Bible literally uh, and, and, and just seeing the words on the page rather than the message? Mm. Uh, so that would just be one maybe. As if really, to say there are multiple layers. There's yeah, the words on the page and, and then there's also all these other things happening. Yep. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, just to give you an idea of where my heart is at with this, I found some uh, really old entries from my journal. <laughs> Uh, and this is one that was a day or two after I wrote in my journal that like acknowledging to myself that I am gay. Uh, here it is. Uh, Lord, please give me grace when dealing with people who I may get frustrated with for not accepting homosexuality. And I think I, I really meant by that, that people who don't believe I can pursue a relationship with Christ and a relationship with another human being romantically. Uh, I want it to be a giving and, uh, I want to be a giving and loving person, even at times when it is difficult to be selfless. I want to treat others as Jesus would. I don't want to harbor any anger towards others, but to have an open heart of love, especially towards the disadvantaged. I want to be your disciple, to follow you because it is the life of eternity I'm after and want to focus on. It's uh, original 2011 content for you. And uh, I think that really shows that as long as you focus on, on that, that love uh, and on you know, being as inclusive as, as possible uh, and focus on that, everything else sort of falls into the, to the backdrop and, and becomes blurry as you focus on really that key message of acceptance. Yeah, it's funny. I, I wish Jesus would have said something about that. Like, if you could boil it down, you know, the whole thing, it would, you know, to love each other. I wish he would have said that. <laughs> <laughs> really missed it there. Um... John, maybe last question as we, as we wrap up. Um, what do you love about this community and maybe what are some of your hopes and dreams for, for us? Yeah. I, I love about Awaken. I've, as I said, I've been attending for about two years. I love that a year ago when I decided to try out teaching second and third graders and see how that would go, uh, that I, I didn't need to ask permission to per pursue doing that and I d it didn't even cross my mind to ask permission to, to ask to permission as a gay man to to, yeah. to teach and, and lead and, and love these children uh, and and that was 
a real gift and, and I'm thankful that the tone was set for me to, to not need to even feel like I needed to ask for that permission. Uh, I love I love the art series. I, I love the vibrancy of the, the community. This is the first uh, time I had seen this new art series and it's just beautiful back there, the, the artwork. Uh, and I, I'm really grateful uh, that you challenge even me to, to view the world differently uh, and through someone else's eyes. And, 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 and I need that just as much uh, as, as the next person. And I, I really feel like when, when you ask about what are your hopes and dreams, there's this implied we haven't quite gotten there. And while I, I, I do uh, agree that you know constant striving for improvement, I really feel like if we look around this room and, and the artwork and, and, and the body uh, of individuals here and, and how those individuals come into a collective, it is a really beautiful community and, and I just hope that we stay on that trajectory. Yeah, keep going. Good. Would you thank John for being with us this morning? I want to offer a word of prayer and then uh, we'll just have a, a moment of silence or two um, to uh, consider, think about, um, create some space for it, and then we'll close with one song. So would you pray with me? God, this morning as we gather in this place, uh, we bring as much of ourselves as we dare to and as we feel we'll be safe um, in the presence of you and in the presence of a community of people who, who say they follow you. Um, and so, God, in the next few moments of silence, I pray that maybe even um, would pray the bold prayer that you might repair and restore um, some of the hearts and the experiences that are uh, present in this room. Um, would you mend our hearts back together in some ways? Um, would you invite us, challenge us, uh, to move towards the, the hopes and the dreams that you know can be true and real in our lives um, with your spirit present among us. So invite us to the people that you know we can be and are. Um, I pray in the next few moments of silence. Holy Spirit, come. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.